frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I drink your milkshake. What we've got here is failure to Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Cinefleck. I am your host, Ethan Colburn. Thank you guys for tuning back in. This is the last of our Halloween series, and what a fun movie to end it on with my favorite person on the planet, Paige. It was an amazing time we had recording this, and uh, just an amazing, amazing movie. We drank um, Dark and Stormies, um, which is a recipe I have up on my Instagram and Twitter right now. You guys should check that out. Uh, Instagram's at Pod. Twitter is at Cinefleck. Um, I j- was actually just thinking while I was listening to the intro again that I'm... I, I want to run a giveaway to see who um, can add a quote of their choice to my intro song. So I'm thinking I'll do the same rules as last time. So share a link either on on um, Instagram stories or Twitter, linking the episode, or or you can retweet my a- a- announcement tweet. Um and then if you could write a review on iTunes as well, I will um, I will pick the winner and the winner gets to choose any quote that they'd like to add to the intro song. So if that's something that interests you, uh, please share. And then also if you want to share anyways, I, I appreciate it. I, I can always I can always use more attention on the show. Um, yeah, I had a great time with this one. We've got next week, um, we're going out of our horror series for all of you scaredy cats. We've got True Romance coming, which I had a really good time talking to an old friend of mine, Juliana, on the episode. Uh, so that'll be coming out next Monday. So get ready for that. Uh, but without further ado, enjoy The Lighthouse. Triton! Hark! Below! Bid our father, the Sea King, rise from the depths full, foul in his fury. Black waves teeming with salt foam to smother this young mouth with punch and slime. I welcome to Cineflet Podcast. We're here with me, Lassie Page. Are you planning this? No, no, no. How how are you doing? I'm good. I am, um... Ooh, it's been a week. (laughs) Yeah. It's been a week. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely (laughs) been a week. Um, we just finished watching The Lighthouse. Mm -hmm. Your pick, and a fantastic pick. Um, what was your thinking with this movie? And what was well, your first experience with this movie, too? I think it was with me. Yeah, it was with you, yeah. <laughs> I usually ask that On question. On a laptop, like, <laughs> with, you know, I, I could, this, it was so funny because this time around watching it again, I could actually hear what they were saying, <laughs> whereas before I couldn't quite tell what they were saying because the sound quality was so bad. How was that the first time you watched it? Because that was the second yeah. time I watched it. First time I watched it was, yeah, when with we were on Lexi. Trip with Lexi. We were wine tasting in Paso Robles. Yeah. And we're just like hanging out. Her mom went to bed kind of early. We're with her her mom and her mm-hmm. aunt and her uncle. And um, 
her mom went to bed kind of early and we were like, ah, we should watch The Lighthouse. I think it yeah. might have just been a rewatch for me then. It was just, I remember, yeah, it was just you. And then it was my and Lexi's first time watching it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I remember loving it then and thinking, whoa, I need to see this again because I didn't, I didn't feel like I picked up on everything. And also, um, with the, I don't know, watching it on a laptop, the sound, like with their with their accents and everything. I couldn't tell what they were saying half the time. But this time, um, on like a big TV with like a speaker system and we everything, got the I, I could actually hear what they were saying, so I knew it was going on a little oh, better. Yeah. Oh yeah, we cranked um, up the sound for this. And yeah. that's the only way to watch it, honestly, with mm-hmm. the waves crashing and everything mm-hmm. else is going on. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's a magnificent. No, it, was, it was crazy. Magnificent sound. Yeah. It was funny because I was all... It's like expecting to have to like strain to figure out what they were saying this time, but I was like, oh, it's just the the speaker quality. <laughs> no, but like I do know people that have told me that. I mean, the 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 stuff that they say is is it's weird old it is weird. like like nineteenth yeah. century English stuff. So it's it's um I, I know a lot of people that need subtitles for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I felt like I felt like I knew what they were saying, but it. it takes a second to get into especially Willem Dafoe's style of speaking is very Mm -hmm. very very stilted and odd but I mean Mm -hmm. man is this like spectacular like I'm so glad you know I'm so glad you got to experience this you you, you got to experience this on the larger tv with sound cranked up and everything Mm because I mean despite being like black and white and a really skinny aspect ratio it's yeah it's really visually and auditorily immersive, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's really cool to experience it like this. Yeah. We are drinking Dark and Stormies for we this are. podcast. Uh, quite very, appropriate for the... Yeah, very appropriate. For the movie. Um, I couldn't find much on the Dark and Stormy drink other than the fact that it was... The 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 drink name was registered by, by the Gosling brothers in Bermuda, um, and they claimed the N with one apostrophe. So how how the official way of dark and stormy is is spelled is with dark N stormy with the N mm-hmm. with one apostrophe. So the IBA the international something of alcohol the what was what is the IBA the um the international bartenders association has it with two apostrophes to avoid any litigation risk with the Gosling brothers in Bermuda which first registered the trademark and are very litigious with people that come after them or use the dark and stormy so you better use your two apostrophes oh yeah Mm-hmm. I'm planning on using my two apostrophes. So, so you first saw it then. What what jumped out at what, so what jumped out at you this time through? Like what what really jumps out at you like this walked through? I guess the first thing that I really realized was that the whole film. I mean, the first time I watched it, I wasn't thinking about this because I didn't know where it was going to go. Um, 
but the, my second time watching it through, I realized just how few actors there really are. It's just the <laughs> two of them. <laughs> but, like, you know, when you're first watching a film, you don't know if there are going to be more characters or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I realized this time, I was like, wow, it really is just the two of them. And no one else. I mean, there is the guy that rows them out to the rock the first yeah. the first place, but, like, I don't know, he had no speaking lines, and you barely even saw the man. But kind of interesting. So I had the opposite realization. I forgot that there was the mermaid, and the guy he murders keeps popping oh, up, like right. the blonde dude. You're so right. you actually there have these more. people. You have these people that keep popping up, and yeah. um, That's just... Funny. Yeah, and you kind of think there's just two. I I thought oh, there were right. just two, and then and then I had the opposite realization where there's actually these these other, especially especially the mermaid. There are, yeah, there are. It's funny because they are characters, but they're also like part of his imagination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I guess I just wasn't counting it in that in that sense. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they really are their own characters. Interesting. I didn't even, I don't know why I didn't even think about that. That's, that's, that's funny. No, it's because they're not like, it's because they're not real people. I think you sort of skip over them as yeah. actors. So, yeah. so do you want to give a brief plot synopsis before oh, we move boy. forward? Yeah. As best as you can. Oh my God. So let's see. Um, okay. So Willem Dafoe's character um, is going back to his lighthouse. He and and you know he switches off with a bunch of other guys for who takes care of the lighthouse for an extended amount of time, like about four weeks. And he's going out there with a new wiki, um, which is Robert Pattinson's character. And um, they're going out to the rock um, for the first time together. And um, Willem Dafoe's character is kind of showing. Robert Pattinson, the ropes, and, um, and he's trying to, and the first bit of it is, is them trying to figure out their, um, like the power dynamics, Mm -hmm. um, between their relationship, and then, but it's a lot of, like, getting to know the island, and getting to know, um, their duties, and, uh, basically, a storm comes and they're not able to leave the rock. I'm gonna leave it at that. Not able to leave the rock. How long have we been on this rock? Five weeks. Five weeks. Two Two days. days. Help me to recollect. My first thought on the movie, just straight off, is um, oddly, in a movie year such as 2019, where you have a Tarantino movie, I feel like The Lighthouse has oddly become the most quotable movie of 2019. Yeah. And it's completely, it's completely ridiculous. Like I will Paige say, and I all- it's quotable for a select group of people. <laughs> no, but like everywhere I look on the internet, like really? like people are always like, "You're fond of me, lobster, ain't you?" <laughs> or I feel like I believe there's enchantment in the light. I feel and like there's for a- film buffs, it's it's like quotable for all the film buffs out there. I haven't heard your average, like most people talking. Look, it could be the corner about, of the internet, I yeah. mean. But my point <laughs> is there's so many quotes in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, it's very quotable. It's, uh, I, I mean, I mean, there's the whole Hark speech. There's the mm-hmm. you're fond of me lobster. 
There's the mm-hmm. what, 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 what. There's the why you just spill your beans. Mm-hmm. Um, um, tell me, what's a timberman got with being a wiki? All these things. Um, like, there's so many just amazing, amazing quotes in this movie. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they're mostly from Gollum Defoe's character. Robert Pattinson doesn't have amazing lines. It kind of seems yeah. like he mumbles through his stuff and... Willem Dafoe really, really shines. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I kind of noticed that on the second watch, too. Um, yeah, I felt like... So, one of the things I was curious about is... Did, did they both use, like, voice coaches? That I don't know. I know, I, I know pretty famously that Robert Pattinson did not use a coach for devil all the time uh, that's what i was thinking about because i was like you probably needed a coach for this film though i know yeah so i know for this one he picked he, so he's picking up a very specific main 19th century accent i don't know mm-hmm. how they got that you know i don't know how they captured that yeah, but that's what idea. he's going for and then willem defoe's going for some nautical yeah. shit i mean he sounds like he sounds like a movie pirate. <laughs> yeah, like he's, he he's just awesome in this. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And and like I know people talk about Pattinson so much, but like Defoe mm-hmm. for me really makes this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean both both actors were great, but I think yeah, I think Willem Defoe kind of steals the show a little I bit. I think Defoe kinda of steals the show a yeah. bit. Which is which might be I par- mean, partially his role, but I, I I wanted to ask you about his character because I think somehow I find myself rooting for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way. I don't know if you're if you're sort of rooting for Pattinson or if you're rooting for Defoe. And my theory for this is that like like he shows he he shows signs of humanity that Pattinson doesn't mm-hmm. especially in the you're fond of me lobster ain't ye mm-hmm. like his eyes look like desperate and like desperate hurt. for hurt for some some kind of praise mm-hmm. and and in the, in these moments you actually feel sort of sorry for him and you see his humanity whereas with Pattinson you don't mm-hmm. but um i mean by all means they're equally crazy they're equally yeah Fiending over the light, but I find myself rooting for Tefo. I don't feel. I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah, for me, it, it switches, which I think is what the film wants you to do: is start out with Pattinson, and then move to Defoe. But I, for me, I felt like both time I, both times I watched it, I I switched halfway through, and it was right about the time where we realized that. Robert Pattinson might be, or his character might be having these, um, might not be lucid. Yeah, delusions. Delusions. (laughs) To quote devil all the time. Yes. And, um, and yeah, like the moments with the lobster and, um, I think that's probably what the lying in the dirt, that scene is, uh, that's probably what I was getting at, where... Just like that scene where he's talking like, oh, you're not fond of me, lobster. Yeah. <laughs> he's, um, you know, lying in the dirt and, and Robert Patton's burying him alive. 
and he's just lying there kind of defeated not quite but right but you're starting to see it on his face and um and he's i don't know what he was saying some some old some old sailor's tale sea, or sea tale or something poem or some something. old sea curse almost yeah and um yeah, you're just like, oh god, just get up, you know, get up. Like you want him to get up out of out of that shallow grave. Yeah, um, yeah, especially especially then then yeah. I'm really I'm really grooting for it. And then I find the tone of this movie super interesting too. Just the yeah. this idea that um, it's to me, I find it fun, mm-hmm. and I find it fun in a way that I probably shouldn't for a movie this bleak. Like, like the movie is so, is so, so, so bleak and so in this, in this like black and white, um, you know, stormy, shitty, shitty world. And yet there's something comedic about this. And, um, and yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is. I'm, 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 I'm not sure if you have that same, if, if you have that same effect with this movie, this movie, or if it's just me. I don't know if I feel like it's a. I I mean I see what you mean, but I don't personally feel like it's a, like. Kind of comedic. I find it really stressful, personally. Yeah. And, actually, like, I I felt like this is one as this is one aspect I really wanted to talk about, but, I felt like the whole film is very claustrophobic, in the sense that like the aspect ratio is so tight. And you have like you're basically looking at a square or almost a square the almost, whole time. Yeah. It feels so condensed, um, and it's funny because you're on this island with them, but um, and so it should feel like open, like you can see the sea out forever. But in reality, you're like stuck on this island. You can't get off, and so in that sense, it feels claustrophobic. But um, And, like, even, like, I guess some of the scenes, like, I mean, obviously they want to get off the rock and that just exacerbates it. But even going back to that scene where he's lying in the dirt, it's just, everything is just, like, coming in on you. You can't, you can't break out of it. Like, you can't, you can't get away from all the crap that's going on in the island. It's like, it's like, I mean, they're working. They're working 24-7. They're not really taking a break, and it's, it's, you know, for four weeks straight and then some because they're stuck for longer, the storm. And so it's like they don't really get a break from anything, and in that sense, it's very stressful and monotonous, and and to me, that feels claustrophobic. I don't know. No, no, totally, totally. It, it, It is a very claustrophobic movie, and... Um, and like a lot of that is the aspect ratio, like you were saying, I think the aspect ratio is super interesting because it, um, it's 1.19 to one, which you just don't, (laughs) it's not. So if you, so, 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 so four to three or 1.32 to one Mm -hmm. is, is what's called the Academy ratio. Mm -hmm. And that's what you'll see. That's what a standard definition TV is. That's what like the box TVs are. That's what like old movies like old hollywood you know casablanca is like mm-hmm. you know, like you see the the like black bars on the side it's typically 
1.32 to 1, and this is 1.19 to 1. So it's, mm-hmm. it really is nearly a square. And I think what that does is um, it not only makes you claustrophobic, but it emphasizes the verticality of the lighthouse. There isn't much that's vertical about the set. It's all very horizontal and flat yeah. in the island. I think had they filmed it in a wider aspect ratio, it probably would have emphasized the horizon of the water more, which you just don't focus on. But yeah. when it's so skinny, you emphasize the verticality of the lighthouse because it's the only thing that's really per- vertical in the, in, in, right. in the world. And... and um, and I think that emphasizes the fact that this movie's all about power. It's all mm-hmm. about the power struggle between Tefo and Pattinson. Mm-hmm. And, and the MacGuffin of this power struggle is the entry in, is the key or the entry into the light of the lighthouse. That's, that, that, yeah. that is the source of power, but it's only a source of power because so, these characters assign it the source of power. You're right. I want to go back to a point, though, um, that you were making earlier, where mm-hmm. you were saying that the, it, accent, the aspect ratio accentuates the verticality of mm-hmm. certain aspects. I think it also truncates the, um, the more horizontal things, and I think that also adds to the idea of, like... Um, maybe feeling confined because you're not, you're not seeing your surroundings and you're, you're not, you're like, so f- you're, you're hyper-focused on a specific thing in the frame. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to add that, but yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, um, last you were just saying, I was talking about the MacGuffin MacGuffin. Yeah. I wanted to bring that up too. Um, that's actually something I was going to, I was going to say like, what's that word for the Maltese Falcon and that's the MacGuffin, right? That's the MacGuffin. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so it, mean, for, it means nothing really. So for people that don't know, it's a, it's a term that Hitchcock coined where, um, that has to do with an object that, um, that doesn't mean anything to us, but it means some, but but to us, it means something for what the characters' desires are projected onto it. Yes. Yeah. To, to, to like a famous example is like the Maltese Falcon, in the Maltese Falcon. Everyone's looking for this one statue of the Maltese Falcon. You, as a viewer, don't care about the Maltese Falcon, but you care about how much these characters care about yeah. the Maltese Falcon. So. A more modern example for people that don't always watch noir pictures from the 40s, <laughs> like me. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, the first one that came that came to mind is like the rabbit's foot in Christian Impossible Three. There's like this hard drive that they're all looking for. It's yeah, called or the anything in like Bond, you know. Yeah, there's so many things in, in Bond where they're trying to get the hard drive, where they're trying to get the thing that that's gonna do this and save the world or whatever. Or like Harry Potter, there are a bunch of. McGuffins. Oh, Harry Potter's a, yeah. yeah, yeah, Harry Potter's a, the 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 Horcruxes are mm-hmm. are a great example of the MacGuffins. But yeah, so. So in this movie, the light sort of serves that purpose. But what I think is funny is, um, 
the power behind the light is never articulated or never yeah. never explained at all. It's just something that because Defoe has it and is very exclusive with it, Pattinson wants it. And that's yeah. that's the only reason for it. Because otherwise otherwise it doesn't it doesn't internally possess any power. Unlike the other the the other Guffins that we were talking about. Yeah, no, you're right. I think the the funny thing though is that At, to some degree, um, Robert Pattinson does believe that it has a power. I think, I mean, yeah. this is something I wanted to bring up at a later point, but I, I think the aspect of religion on this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that at one point he said, like, there's enchantment in the light. Like, there's something in it that, um... So that was Defoe talking about the former light keeper that went crazy. Oh right, yeah. But yeah, but I mean, I think, but, it's, but it's clear that there's some similarities between Defoe yeah, between. Yeah, but I think so that's. Um, so, so do you think that when he was saying um, the story, when he was telling the story about his um, his past wiki who uh went crazy because of the light um do you think that maybe robert pattinson's character wanted to get to the light because he was kind of combating his craziness i i don't know i don't know i mean so so throughout this movie you're you're seeing it from pattinson and i apologize for not using the character names, but I find it's just easier to say Pattinson and Defoe because everyone knows what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, because I'm like, they have the same name in like, the they're, end. They're, they're both Tommy. Winslow and Thomas. Thomas and Wake and whatever else. So Pattinson, you're you're seeing it from his perspective. Yeah. And he's clearly having these um, delusions. Delusions. He's clearly having these delusions. Um, about tentacles and mermaids and everything else. But what's not clear to us as viewers is if he believes them or if he wakes up and goes, oh, that was all a dream. That's not clear to us. So it's actually, it's not, it's not clear to us how crazy, we're kind of in his head most of the time and it's not clear to us how crazy he's actually going. So I don't know if he knows he's going crazy Mm-hmm. and seeks out the light. I think he doesn't... I think either way, he doesn't know he's going crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't but think he knows. Yeah, because we're in his perspective. We're in his perspective, mm-hmm. and he seems to just, you know, either think these things are reality, especially... I think the one thing that convinces me that he thinks it, it's a reality is the time he tries to fuck the mermaid, mm-hmm. and then... Um, and then he comes, he comes running inside, kind of panting... Mm-hmm. And Defoe is like, wash yourself, me lad, you know, or whatever. Ye smell like shit, mm-hmm. and so. But he he seems genuinely freaked out by like his whole encounter with the mermaid. He doesn't seem like, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh my god! Wow, I need to I need to like sober up here. No, you're right. You're right. I think. Well, I yeah. I think I think to some degree he starts believing it. Right. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting. Was that um, about halfway through 
Robert Pattinson's character says that he's a God-fearing man. Yeah. Um, and it seems like they both, to some degree, believe in either, like, I don't know, they're, they're either superstitious or... Well, they believe in these sea tales. Well, Willem Dafoe's character does. And then I think Robert Pattinson's character starts maybe believing him too. But I think that he... Um, I mean, he does say that he's a God-fearing man. Too. So to some degree, they both believe in something that's more than just right. what's in front of you. And I think... I think that's interesting because it gives a lot of blame as to why the the storm is happening. And so, like, yeah, he kills that seabird like he wasn't supposed to. You know, bad luck, curl the bird. Bad luck, curl the That's bird. another quote we forgot to mention. <laughs> but, um, but it puts a lot of blame on, on his actions. And... Um, you know, and then and then later we find out that he kind of let this guy die, kind of murdered a man, kind of not. Kind of killed the guy. Kind of I mean, killed the guy. Watched him die. It seems like didn't it, help. he could have done something about it. Yeah. And then takes his identity as, yeah. as a clean start. And then I think his biggest takeaway was, I think I think everyone's biggest takeaway from that is that he, he didn't, he didn't feel any remorse or anything and Mm -hmm. he sort of picked up on that himself he was like Mm -hmm. wow i just thought maybe i should have a smoke now Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean they're they're religious but i mean i think defoe preferences triton and yeah and poseidon slashy down and all these kind of you know Mm -hmm. sea tales and stuff so yeah but i think either way they're 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 spiritual people yeah and but it it is funny that that for people that say they're cod fearing in 19th century america they're they're talking mostly about sea tales and superstition it is it is odd that way that's true well i think the other thing is that maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy mm-hmm. where yeah bad luck kills seabird does it and then you know in the end he ends up being eaten by the gulls and so it to some degree maybe it's maybe it happens because of that like maybe it maybe yeah the you know it goes around comes around but but also um maybe he internalizes it and starts really feeling it and then with his like I don't know what you call it, psychosis, um, Mm -hmm. delusions. He starts, you know, he starts internalizing it more and it starts getting intertwined with his reality. And potentially, I I don't know, I I just wonder if that's what could be happening. So so my interpretation after this watch was that, okay, so that scene where he kills the seabird, that scene Mm -hmm. where he he takes... he takes a pie the head and pashes it until it's dead, until mm-hmm. it's way, way like, dead. Really, really like, dead. Like, really, really dead. They immediately pan 
mm-hmm. over to the lighthouse and then up to the top and yeah. you see the weather vane change. Yeah. And it's immediately after that. So mm-hmm. my thought, my thought, um, after seeing that mm-hmm. is that within the context of these movies, well, within the context of this movie, mm-hmm. I think that these gods and these tales are true. And so mm-hmm. I think that that kind of shows it. And then some, and then it's also shown in the sound editing, especially when he goes, Hark! and it like immediately thunders. Yeah. Like he, he's calling to the gods and the gods are answering back. Yeah. I mean, that's not, it, it could have just happened to thunder, <laughs> but I, I think, I yeah. think within the, and, and the wind could have just happened to change directions. But what I think so I think within the context of this movie, yeah. these these things, and um, these these stories, these superstitions are true. And in well, um, I, yeah, I think it's because we're in his perspective, and I think he, I, I I think that he believes it to some degree and starts internalizing it, and so I think that's. I mean, the whole the whole film is mostly from Robert Pattinson's perspective, and. Um, and I think, or his, his character's perspective, yeah. but, um, but yeah, so I think, I think we're noticing what he would be noticing. And while that could just be random chance, I think we're supposed to notice it because we're supposed to notice the wind changing right after he, he kills the goal, because I think that that's what he's noticing. But he didn't, he didn't notice that until Tefo told him. That the but, wind changed. Yes, but I think that. So he didn't. He didn't notice it. I no, think that's that true, that was that's... that was the camera sort of wandering away from his perspective for a moment. Okay, that yeah, was my I that was that. my thought on that. I know, I see that. And I, I think that and I think that the storm that the storm is 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 definitely real. I mean, I, I mean. You, you can yeah. talk about the mermaids and everything else, but like, the storm is for sure real. So I think, Interesting. I think that yeah, I think the, that that again in the world of this movie, that that these things are ac- actually happening. The point that I mm. wanted to bring up was Robert Eggers' last movie prior to this was The Witch. Yeah. Um, prior to this, which is um, set in like puritanical colonies, yeah. where this 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 family is banished outside their settlement and mm-hmm. then they and then they lose their their baby super early on in the movie yeah um, I watched the first half with you I think yeah yeah and there's yeah. and there's I, I mean I mean basically there's there's witchcraft inside the story and, and and the witchcraft is real in the realm of the story yeah so I don't I guess my point is it, it doesn't it doesn't seem too out of place that that these stories and superstitions might yeah. be real within within the confines of the story. Okay. But anyways, we should we should move on from this topic. Yeah. Um, what what was your favorite scene in this movie? I mean, I don't know what my exact favorite is because I haven't really thought about it too much. But but one of my favorites is the one where. They're both upstairs in the kind of loft bedroom area, and they're um, they're talking about. Well, we see we start to see Robert Pattinson's character go a little 
like off the rails after drinking and then um you know William Defoe's character is like you're you're not fond of me lobster yeah but they um yeah it's one of the first times where we really see some um some other emotions from Willem Dafoe's character than just, you know, trying to stand his ground and be, uh, have more power than, um, than the wiki. But, um, and so we see him a little more vulnerable and I, I think it, it starts to bring another perspective into the story. I yeah. think it's interesting. Yeah, totally. And then, I, and, and I, I, that, that is t- definitely my favorite scene. And then I think, um, I think, I think the, the cool thing about that scene, there's, there's, there's a couple real turning points in this movie. And I think there's, there's like three or four that are just major turning points. I think the killing the goal, mm-hmm. there's the Hark speech, which mm-hmm. is like basically him saying like, damn you to hell. Like, I hope mm-hmm. the, the waves Cost you away, and I hope all the animals eat your guts until you exist no more. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Pattinson the next morning almost kills him, mm-hmm. except he wakes up. Yeah. You know, that's how much they hate each other. Yeah. And then obviously there's the po- there there there's the power dynamic shifting. Mm-hmm. It it shifts a few times at the end of the movie, but yeah. there's the power dynamic shifting at the end of the movie. But I think those are the three main points. But um, there's there's something about that specific shift. It's not it's not so much of a shift in power dynamic, but it, it's Tefo kind of expressing his true power. I mean, he's he's so he's so spectacular in that scene. He's so yeah. Like like apparently that whole speech that he did was a single take. That was one take. And that was take one. No. And, uh, <laughs> that was take one? <laughs> I think so. And he, he, he did it all in, 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 in a single take. That whole, that whole amazing uh, speech that he gives about mm-hmm. Poseidon and wash ye away till, ye Winslow, till Winslow exists no more and all that. Mm-hmm. It was all one, that was all one single take. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... Don't you wish that you could just... Like every every once in a while, when you're really mad at someone, you just want to like, you know, go off and like say all the things. It's like it's like that thing where you're always like, ah, I, well, I damn it, I should have said that in that situation. But I feel like he never experiences that <laughs> because yeah. he just has this f- flow of um, creative lines. <laughs> Yeah, in that, that moment, character? he said yeah. exactly what he, he wanted exactly to say. exactly what he wanted to say. And... It's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, although I uh, don't envy the outcome, I envy that ability to just let the words flow out like that. Yeah, kind of yeah. Cool. I, I, I can sometimes freeze up and say, oh, oh, did you like the dinner I made? And they're like, well, I didn't care for it. And then I just kind of slink off instead of damning someone to Poseidon's... <laughs> to hell yeah and drowning in the ocean for all of eternity i i yeah. need to i need to work on you doing really, that you really uh work on that work on doing that for next time but yeah. yeah no that would definitely be my favorite scene then i think and i think my next favorite scene in in this movie would be um i love how so immediately after that you get 
you got Robert Pattinson just hating him and almost stabbing him. And then it cuts pretty quickly to them at night getting totally drunk and yeah. dancing together again. And I think that just shows you immediately how unstable this whole dynamic is. Yeah, you're right. Because yeah. I think that's that's part of what's so exceptional yeah. about their character work is that, um, I mean, he's near murdering him and then and, and they get drunk and they're dancing all over the place and then they're slow dancing and then they're throwing punches and then they're lying all over each other and you're just like, Oh yeah. my god, this is this they're is They're both at their wits' end. And they're yeah. both going crazy because of the isolation and you know, the insecurity of the future and when they're gonna leave that rock. And so they're both going through a really tough time and neither one can really support each other. But yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, you're right. It's very volatile and super volatile. Yeah. Yeah. Um one of the things I want to ask you about was like, like in regard to that, I guess the, um, how everything kind of started changing once, um, Robert Pattinson decided to drink. It was like the night before and, oh, and the whole that's, time that's he was like, I'm not going point, to right. drink. I can't drink. Um, and he was like, I know I don't get my wages if I don't, if I drink. And so he was avoiding it the whole time. And then he finally caved in on the last night what what did you think about that yeah no i think that's i think that's a really really good point and um that's that's another turning point that we didn't talk about but you know i think i think the the odd thing about that i guess turning point in the story is it's a slower turn like you get you get pattinson um he starts to drink the first there you go. He starts to drink. The first night is okay. He's having a good time. They're all having a great time. But you yeah. think they're getting off the island the next day. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, the ship doesn't show up. Mm-hmm. And so then he's just like, oh, God, I'm, I'm going to dig dig, parlor, farther yeah. into this hole. But what's, what's, what's crazy about it is we learn in the end that Tefo the whole time had been giving him bad like super bad reports in the logbook. Yeah. Of just saying he, he was super shitty and lying for no reason. Mm-hmm. And and to be fair to Pattinson's character, he was volatile, but I mean he did the work that he needed to do. I mean he was scrubbing shit and That's true. cleaning. But a lot doing... of the things were drunk on the job and he was drunk on the job quite a bit. But but all the, the all the waking up late and not showing up to work mm-hmm. and not yeah. Not doing his duties. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, the drunk on the job that was all encouraged by. No, you're right. Tafo's character. Yeah. So, he, so, so you can't really blame. That's true. I think that they were both potentially. I mean, it, it seemed like they were both going through um, some issues with the isolation. But I, just, just clearly, a couple. Just a little bit, but, but I think. Um. I think that both of their judgment was off. Yeah. Um, and so I think, yeah, because of that, there was no stability and they were both just, yeah, volatile with each other. But I think um, the other thing, though, with the alcohol is that it 
it's like I don't know moonshine or something and then towards the end they were making their own alcohol with the like kerosene or well so God I think what I think I think the initial alcohol was probably shipped in it looked like it looked yeah. like some sort of rum or some sort of whiskey or something yeah but then they were getting into the alcohol that was buried and then the rations and then they were getting into the making their own stuff out of the fluid for the for the lamp yeah um, that that was and, but that's also when they started getting in into their craziest and i don't know if, if maybe they were crazy so they were seeking out the alcohol like that or the alcohol was making them crazier or maybe both maybe they were just exacerbating each other but i know some of that stuff will make you go blind and i was kind of wondering if that was you know the the, the last scene where he's lying out blind and then the you know the birds have picked out his eyes and he's like they're picking out his guts and stuff but I'm wondering if he maybe went blind before that it seemed staying. like it had more to do with it, it 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 seemed like it had more to do with the birds picking out his eyes I well I mean <laughs> yeah that, that doesn't help does it but <laughs> but you know he was staring into the light and then um at the end and then he um he fell down the stairs oh right that's a good point point. and i was curious if that was the light that blinded him potentially or i mean probably was but i doubt it was the alcohol from way earlier yeah maybe not because but, he made it up there but he, no no i mean <laughs> he might have been blinded i mean there was something and, and then that that final scene is so interesting because he he's um he finally gets keys to the light and um, and he goes up there, and then, I mean, it almost, it almost looks like a completely different film, yeah. you know, like, all it, of a sudden the light opens, yeah. and it's like a spaceship, yeah. and, you know, it, he looks like he's about to enter it and blast off to another planet, mm-hmm. and then you get your first real, I mean, I guess there's some, there, 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 there are a lot of special effect shots with like the tentacles and stuff yeah but you get you get your first kind of like like auditory distortion where his 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 scream sounds all weird and stuff mm-hmm. and it just it it it, it 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 yeah it feels like the movie is going a bit crazy with him and then all of a sudden he falls down the stairs mm-hmm. he, he 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 might have been blinded by that i mean to be that close to be a to a bright light like that i mean mm-hmm. that probably could mess with your eyes i don't know yeah i mean he wasn't so the thing i'm wondering just kind of morbid but at the end he wasn't dead yet he was dying and um I mean, do you think maybe he broke his back from that, like, fall down the stairs, or he was blind so he couldn't navigate the island or something? Like, why would he just end up lying there? The last, the, like, the last shot doesn't make much sense. Um, I think it might have been a fantasy, because it, oh. if if he fell down the stairs and, you know, was was sick at the at, at the bottom of the lighthouse, it wouldn't make any sense for him to be him to end up outside yeah naked eaten by goals that's why I was and there and there was too. already a fade to white prior to that shot i think yeah. the last shot might have been a dying fantasy of oh the goals got me oh i see that's kind of more my interpret i think the last shot is more 
metaphorical than literal. Yeah. As opposed to like, how how would he get outside and get naked yeah. and, and be lying there for the goals to eat them? I, yeah. I don't think that that's that real. So. Yeah, I was I was wondering about. Yeah, I was I was wondering about that. I couldn't figure it out. So yeah, to, to achieve the look, um, they use these lenses from like the nineteen. Uh, the these lenses were used between. I saw in 1918 and 1938, there were very specific lenses. Mm. Um, and like you do get this sense, like it does, it does feel lived in, in a way that I don't know that many new movies that, that feel this sort of lived in and old. And I mean, the kind of like aesthetic of this movie is super unique and, and, mm. and really sort of like, yeah puts you in the time frame of it very, very effectively. I mean, I don't know if you have your thoughts on just, like, the look of this movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, one of the... I think one of the major things that you get from a black-and-white film is the play on light right? and shadows. Totally. And I think that... Um, that may be one of the reasons why they chose to do black and white. Uh, also, the colors of a lighthouse are probably white, gray, brown, and you just get the same colors throughout probably every shot. And and um, there's not a ton you can do. It's very interesting with the colors, and but you can do a lot with light, um, with a lighthouse, obviously. And I think... Um, yeah, potentially the use of black and white in this film accentuates the, maybe the, I don't know, maybe the power of the lighthouse. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a really, really good point. I mean, um, if you're only getting black and white and, and shades of gray, then when you see that white light, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, it, it, it's much more captivating, especially when you're when you're thinking about how the world is so black and bleak for them. I mean, they get these, like, if 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 you look at the living room and stuff, it's lit by these kerosene lamps. Yeah. And occasionally you get this kind of like dark gray sky, but you just don't. Like I don't think the sun ever shines through clearly in this in this yeah. film. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely true. I definitely yeah. think that has something to do with it. And that, one of those, uh, one of the, I think the, the second to last scene, he's, um, kind of consumed by the light. Yeah. Like, they let the light, um, kind of overexpose, almost, his face. And, um, and I, I mean, that's, I, I don't know. I think it was kind of a cool a cool way to go about it because it's like he's consumed with the light and he's up there and he finally reached it and now he's laughing and he's throwing his head back and his face is just bright white and you can see like the black and the white in his face but there's no um no depth or gray left um it's just consumed yeah. yeah yeah totally totally yeah um so Tefo and Pattinson like did not speak much during the shooting of this movie. Apparently the shooting of this movie was not fun. And uh, I, I don't no. know if you can see why. Like, the shot of him um, 
walking into the ocean and he actually walked into the ocean in like you know in in like freezing Nova Scotia when it was freezing yeah the 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 camera lens these old lenses kept fogging up yeah so they had to like tell him to do it like twenty times and he was just like freezing you know oh my God. I mean this this set was just not 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 at all fun to be on but apparently they 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 started to like each other after they were out of character on the press tour they actually became <laughs> buds later but um during the shoot they like really really hated each other That's which I think funny. is so funny. Yeah, this is not a shoot I'd, I'd at all want to be part of. I mean, I, I I find the movie really fun, oddly, but I... Come on, I think if they invited you, you'd go. Oh, I don't... Um, really? I think no, I think I'd show up. I think you'd go. I think they were like, if they were like, hey, Ethan, you want to come help us film this, this crazy-ass artsy movie in the middle of nowhere with... Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, I think you'd be like, hell yeah, let's oh, go. Yeah. Oh yeah, but I'd want credit. <laughs> I wouldn't want to just sit around on that set and they're like, hey, um, so what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm just watching. They're like, great. And they just ignore me. I don't... Yeah, maybe I'd want to be there. I don't know. <laughs> I think you'd want to be there. So, so I think I told you this, but um, a wiki has to do with a candle wick. Like, as in the wick being, like, the lighthouse. So, mm-hmm. so they frequently refer to themselves as wikis. Willem Dafoe calls himself a wiki and then refers to Pattinson as a wiki. And, um, and that has to do with the candle wick, which I thought was kind of interesting. And I didn't really pick up on that, I don't think, the mm-hmm. first time I saw it. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and then the other thing I found on IMDb that I thought was interesting... Uh, the story is loosely based on a real-life tragedy from 1801 called The Smalls Lighthouse Tragedy, in which two Welsh lighthouse keepers, both named Thomas, became trapped on their lighthouse station during a storm. When one man died, it is said to have driven the other mad. Other influences were seafaring lit- literary classics by author Herman Melville, Robert Louis Stevenson, and supernaturally tinged cosmic horror tales of H.P. Lovecraft. But, I mean, I thought it was interesting that, that it was it was based on um, an actual story of two Welsh lighthouse keepers named Thomas. Yeah, it's crazy. I thought that was interesting. What were your thoughts on, on the performances overall? Yeah, I mean, you said it earlier. I thought Willem Dafoe's performance was amazing. And when you said that he did that um, scene, that scene where he's talking about, um, where he's like, he's damning Robert Pattinson's character for uh, telling him his lobster sucks. <laughs> and, um, and they did that in one take, the first take. Like, that's crazy. Single take, yeah. Single take, and he just has... You can feel the rage coming from him and the the hurt. Uh, I feel like he does a great job. Um, But... uh, And Robert Pattinson did a great job, too, I thought. But, but, you know, the first time I watched it, I was, like, blown away by his performance. The second time I watched it, I wasn't quite as 
taken as I was by with Pattinson's by Pattinson's performance as I was with um, Willem Dafoe. Yeah, I mean, so Dafoe's is more performative by nature, and I think and I think that has to be taken into account. I think yeah. I think it, it I, I I think you're right. I think the first time you see it, you're kind of impressed that Pattinson can go toe to toe with Willem Dafoe. But, <laughs> but, yeah. um, then I think, I think, um, looking after that, you're just sort of, I mean, I think Defoe's performance is, yeah, oddly heartfelt and layered, and I think Pattinson... Is sort of crazy and weird, and you have to respect him for, mm-hmm. for. Going the distance with all that stuff, but I do think Tefo's like I do think, Tefo outperforms him. I thought so too, but I thought that both were great performances. It's, I mean, it's hard to compare them too when there's only two, actors. <laughs> I, I think in some way it makes it easier, but. Well. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean. Yeah. Uh, another thought is I think this I, I, I think this I think this movie is just a huge win for A24 mm-hmm. I mean like we are so lucky we live in a world where A24 is producing this weird indie mm-hmm. creative I, I don't know who else would produce this shit that, like, like the stuff that they're doing they've they've come to define like like um American independent cinema in the latter half of the 2010s. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy the stuff that they've produced and the fact that they're just like, oh yeah, you want to shoot a black and white? <laughs> that's, that's my, that's my ringtone. <laughs> it's a law and order tone, but it's my ringtone. Um, they're like, oh, you want to shoot like a black and white, um, movie about two men going crazy on the lighthouse yeah sure like the the fact that they were willing to like green light a production like this is is so impre- is is so impressive and um yeah yeah it's really a testament to that to that studio yeah i agree about. i mean now anytime i see a movie linked to a a24 i i'm just like oh yeah i'm gonna watch that i know i'm gonna like it to some degree I can just expect it now. Um, but yeah, I wanted to point out one thing I that I feel like probably gets back to A24 is that you, you don't have... This could have been a very different movie if you were just telling the story of two men that go crazy. This could have been done very differently. And I think that the way they executed this was amazing. Um, like you said, black and white and um, that tiny ass aspect ratio and um you know like the the scenes that um like what'd you call them the turning scenes the scenes that were yeah the turning points throughout the turning points throughout the the um the film they're very um poignant and um They depict a lot of the, they really get in the head of the crazy. They get, they get in the head of the 
the person experiencing the cabin fever. And um, they do it. I don't know. I just think it could have been done very differently. And this was done very, very well. No, it's true. It's true. It's true. And it's a, it's a, it's a testament. It's a testament to the director. And it's a testament to the studio for giving him um, final cut here. I, I do want to I, 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 I do want to point out. So Robert Eggers is currently shooting a new movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it is set in Iceland in the 10th century, and oh, it is shit. a Viking revenge saga. Oh my god, amazing. And we know nothing else, but I want to read you the cast here. Okay, you ready? Yeah. We've got Anya Taylor-Joy, who you will recognize the face of. Yeah. Recognize she's, her? Yeah, she's She was fun. in Emma and The Witch and a bunch of stuff. Yeah. You've got Alexander Skarsgård. Uh, which is which makes sense because he's Nordic and shit. Yeah. Um, you've got Nicole Kidman. Interesting. You've got <laughs> Ethan Hawke. Whoa. <laughs> and Willem Dafoe returning. Ah uh, yes. And it's quite you've the got combination. Ralph Ineson, who was also in The Witch, okay. um, and Bjork, who is from Iceland, is in this cast Bjork. as well. Um, what a combination of people. Just a great. A great, great cast. I'm so pumped to see this. Um, yeah, I don't know if... You, like, I'm just... This guy seems to just, like... Just the bleakest time in our in our history. And, um, God, I'm just so excited for that. Yeah, one thing I thought... That was in, one thing I wanted to bring up was that... Um, I thought it was interesting how they spent the first third of the movie really defining the power dynamics and um, and kind of setting it up. They spent a lot of time on the setup of how things how things are, who does what and um, for what reasons. And I, I think that's crucial. It, it's kind of I feel like the first third of the movie is kind of hard to watch. It's kind of hard to get through for me anyway. Like it's it feels kind of longer, and um, um, and and you know, there's not a ton going on besides this, besides this, you know, fight against who does what and and who has control over who. Um, but I think it's crucial for the rest of the film, and and how it turns. Um, throughout the second half. And, um, I mean, it gets to the point where the guy who had power at the beginning is, you know, barking like a dog. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. The, the first, the first, um, it, it, it takes a long time for them to really establish those dynamics before you get into sort of what's actually happening with, with the two of them. It's, it's, it's super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, before we wrap this up, any any final thoughts on the movie? I guess the only other thing is that I feel like, <laughs> given the times, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like quarantine. COVID and quarantine <laughs> and feeling cooped up. You know, not I, I necessarily was, to that degree, but like. I you was know, thinking the I know, same thing. I know people who, who've like gone crazy with the people they live with and 
I was thinking the same thing. It's a classic, like, going crazy with the people yeah. you live with movie. Yeah, totally. Funny. Totally. Yeah, it feels very, really um, real. Right? Very quarantine appropriate, very for quarantine sure. Very quarantine appropriate. Paige, um, any, any quote you want to send us off with here? Bad luck, call a seabird. <laughs> I can't say it, right? <laughs> Bad luck, call a seabird. Thank you for coming back on page. This has been awesome. What? 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 What?